Welcome to episode 37 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is the whitewashed version of this show where we do not have Matthew Aguilar with us, my regular co-host, but we've replaced him with two fine gentlemen. You guys already know Brandon Davis, one of our original Comic Book Nation Trinity members, but we've also brought his, I don't know, what, like, sidekick? Not, not, not anymore. I'm like I'm like his Jason Todd. Yeah, you're like his Jason. That's a good. That's yeah. a good thing. Charlie and I used to used to be on camera together all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then we said, Get you guys Charlie. broke up the brand. you guys broke up the band, but we brought him back. This is Mr. Charlie Ridgely with us today, and we got a variety of stuff to talk about today. We're going to be going all over the map. We're going to be talking about a little bit of DC. We're going to be talking some Walking Dead. We are also going to be talking about that Magic the Gathering anime that we all knew was coming. Ski! And. Oh, yeah, what? Uh, that was my excited what sound. That? I don't know. I you like that the sound. Uh, yeah. Ski-yee. And we're going to be talking about some new things going on in the realms of horror and some uh, Disney news. So, basically, everything I need you guys for here. I mean, Is there you anything guys, else? Between the two of you. I mean, no, between the two of you, you guys mm. cover all this stuff pretty well. So. Let's just get into it and uh, start right at the top. So, last week we recorded and we were kind of talking about the possibility of Robert Pattinson becoming Batman. Uh, As soon as we kind of launched our episode last week, our final episode, it got confirmed. And since then we've heard more and more information about this upcoming Matt Reeves Batman film. Robert Pattinson will be our Batman. Uh, It will be exploring a version of Batman who is younger and still kind of finding his footing as Batman, but this one's going to be a little bit different in the sense that Matt Reeves is really, really kind of re-expressing his interest in telling the story. You know, we've had the Dark Knight or like Batman Begins or, you know, all these other things, but he wants to tell the story of the world's greatest detective and how this kind of troubled young man stumbles into becoming the world's greatest, well, not stumbles, but goes on the mission, becomes the world's greatest detective and eventually becomes you know, the Batman that we know and love. So, what do you guys think about this casting, about this approach to the film? There's a bunch of kind of rumors that are starting to spill out already. Like, we already have heard we are going to have a variety of villains. Now we're hearing we might have an entire Bat family finally appear on screen. What are you guys thinking? Charlie Ridgely. I mean, I, I like it. I've, I've been a fan of this since, like, the rumors kind of started, um, you know, it... it Pattinson has been in Twilight for a long time. That's not the Pattinson that exists now as an actor. He's he's evolved so much. Was Pattinson you know? even bad in Twilight? No. I mean, no, the dialogue was bad, so it made him look bad but at like, times. Did because he do his rough. job? He did yeah. fine. But that's the image you're going to get. You're going to get this, this lanky, shiny vampire, and that's not who Pattinson is anymore. Uh, he's a really, really yeah, polished that's Stephanie actor. Mayer, like. Yeah. Um, he and did he his job. Very, I mean, he, he did his job. He sold yeah. romance to an entire generation of kids. He did his job. Um, I'm just All I'm saying is if that's the version you think you're getting, that's not... What's happening is he, he's proved that multiple times uh, in every movie he's done since then. He's been fantastic. He's got a real gritty vibe to him a lot. He can be really aggressive. I, I really, really like the fit, um, and I'm really interested. I spent a long time on Friday kind of piecing together, like, what could the rest of his Gotham look like? Because casting Patman like, has such an effect on how you— Don't say Patman. No, I, 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 love, I love Patman. It's Pattinson. It's Eric Battinson. It's Bat- not- no, no, Patman. It's actually our bats. No, 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 Pat- no, 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 right. Patman. It, it fits too easily not to have one of the two of these. Battinson. Patman. All right, whatever you want to call Either it. Either way, it, it's really cool to see how they're going to cast Gotham City moving forward from this because it's a whole trilogy of films. So, like, they're going to have characters that are going to be. Yeah, we should note Matt Reeves isn't just doing the Batman. Um, it was announced when it was confirmed Robert Pattinson was going to be Batman. 
that Matt Reeves is actually set up for an entire trilogy of films at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Guess they're not making this. I just want Warner thing. Brothers to come out and say something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they still haven't like, said anything official, have they? We say announced, but it's just announced by an outlet. Who knows sources? And I'm sure yeah. Warner Brothers is probably feeding I mean, stuff. Multiple they, outlets well, have said that Warner Brothers confirmed to them. Right, but, but why doesn't Warner Brothers announced. just come out here and make a make a press release and make it official and say and have the executives release a statement? This is why. Have Matt Reeves release a statement. I know we're really far out from this movie yeah. being released, and maybe that's why. But how we got the picture of Ben Affleck as Batman way before Batman vs Superman came out. We got the news of Ben Affleck being cast as Batman years before yeah. Batman, uh, Batman vs. Superman I mean, came I think out. Part, it's the same thing with, you asked the question in the office of the day, like, why, why hasn't Marvel just announced the Black Widow movie? No, the it's, difference, why, well, the I'm difference saying, like, is that with it's Marvel... It's studio thing not No, Marvel yet. had plans for Endgame, and they kept their plans a secret for a reason to prevent spoilers. Right. This is not I mean, that. I'm saying, but now, the Endgame's over, and with the movie's shooting... It's like you haven't even said anything. Like, where's the confirmation that it's starting? It's kind of that mentality of keeping secrets as close as possible, Maybe. even when everyone knows it. But also, let's remember that Comic Con. Yeah, I was about to say, do you think there's just a common thread here, which is everybody's just saving their big guns for Comic Con? Yeah, because I mean, Pattinson's going to walk I, on stage. I, I'd Con be for willing to bet that Warner Brothers. Will, I don't know. Will Warner Brothers say something before Comic Con? Probably. Yeah, I mean, they'll it's have more to get, than a month away. You can't just drop it, comic. Yeah, you're gonna no. people drop have it, but to, that's gonna be like the they gotta be official, hyped like, and get into Hall H, all wait all night, right. do that stuff. Right. So, yeah, there I will be something said Comic-Con, before Comic Con, but, but I mean, Comic Con will have the majority of news. There will be new news. Maybe they'll give the first look to the crowd at Comic Con. Yeah, exactly. But if you give that first look to the crowd at Comic Con, then you are there's no chance, and Warner Brothers knows this better than most studios. That it's not that whatever image you show is not going to end up in a blurry, crappy version that was taken on a cell phone from the seventy third row in Hall H of the big screen up there, and it's going to be online, and that's how people are going to see it for the first time. You have to release it online simultaneously. Yeah. Now, look at the Suicide Squad trailer. I'll never forget that they waited like five days, and that crappy leaked version got was online. I, I mean, love that leaked version. But hey. It was, Great traffic. Yeah, I mean, it was. I loved that leak version. <laughs> I did. I watched that trailer so many times, and I loved it. Um, but I was in all age. I saw it, and I was like, it was completely different. It's a different yeah. experience. Oh, yeah. You watch a leaked version. Same thing happened with Endgame. Endgame, they were better at preventing leaks until a week before, but they were better at preventing Disney's just somehow on top of, at D23, nothing comes out. At, at Marvel's Hall H studio, if it gets online, I don't know how Disney it's does it, but they pull it down so fast. The other studios aren't as on top. I don't know how Disney does it. They own half the world. Maybe that helps. But Warner Brothers just runs the risk of people finding. I think that we'll, we'll hear about Batman before Comic Con. Yeah, I think just to clarify, I thought I said I thought you were right, but I, I misheard you before. I think it typically in past what they do for these kinds of things is they drop a first look of him, mm-hmm. like in one of those EW Comic Con preview yep. magazines. They'll drop the first look at him in the back. I think they suit. let Matt Reeves tweet it. I don't even think he'll be in the bat suit. I think they'll show him in an actual like Bruce Wayne suit in. I think you go either the, way. Then Wayne Manor somewhere like that. Ben Affleck's go first long. look was in the bad suit. Yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, and that, that was also the Comic Con where they dropped entirely too much suit. information. Like, yeah, I think. I think you're gonna get. I, I, I could see that partial a partial reveal, whether it's just him in the cow from the head up or something. I'll tell you what. Why I think Matt Reeves will tweet it because Warner Brothers has been head on about getting their directors involved with the fans. James Wan was all over Aquaman's press tour. David F. Sandberg doesn't like talking to people was all over Shazam's press tour. James Wan and David F. Sandberg are very different people. I I think Patty Jenkins shared the first image of Wonder Woman in 1984. Patty Jenkins is all over Wonder Woman. I mean, I think from now going forward, they're going to want the directors, the filmmakers, to be at the forefront 
of these campaigns. And I think Matt Reeves, is Robert Pattinson even on social media? I don't think he has social media accounts. I think Matt Reeves will drop the first look on Twitter. I mean, and he's the only person involved with this film who has outwardly, publicly commented on this. He put the bat emojis and he put Robert Pattinson, which is the closest we've come. What I mean, we know what that means. He's saying Robert Pattinson is my Batman. He wanted it to happen. He made it happen. It happened. He acknowledged it. But that's the closest we've come, and he's going to be at the forefront of this. There's no question. I mind. predict this. I predict that going into Comic-Con, Matt Reeves will drop a tweet that says, see you guys at Hall H, and it'll be a picture of Batman. That's a good I, – I mean, something along those lines. Yes, yeah. I think if that's not exactly it, I think you're close to it. Yeah, I think it'll be something like that. From him, like you said, directorial-driven, because um, that is the Warner Brothers plan, yeah. that's what they're – It's worked so far. Yeah, Since they've well. shifted to that, it has worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they'll do that. So – and, I, and I'm pretty sure we'll get something from like Black Widow. I, mean, I, I, like I think that. that's that's the opportunity, you know, not to maybe if you don't hold that first look, the opportunity at Comic Con is to any details about it, like what characters are actually. There's always reports yeah. about what characters and stuff. Because you could like, do like, a whole Avengers style rollout. Yeah. Like, oh, Loki's the villain. Welcome, and then you know Tom Hiddleston walks out. Like that's when you can say, here are the villains in the movie. We're gonna have Penguin. Yeah, but at the same time, surprise casting. At the same time, I think they may reveal the cast before Comic Con and then just roll them out on the stage at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, once those people are all set, are all assembled in San Diego, someone's going to sniff it out and break yeah. it before right. Warner Brothers gets a 100%. chance. But I think we'll have before Comic Con, we will have. Why are you walking around the back of Hall H? Why is Josh Gad backstage before the, the Warner Brothers? Panel? What are you doing, Imagine, dude? Yeah, I love it. All right, so it. how about this story thing? Do you guys like you guys cool with this? Do you do you? I mean, the world's greatest detective. What would you want to kind of see from that? I want to see technology used in ways, in innovative ways, because I think that a lot of. Uh, the best comic book movies right now, or just movies, adapt to current culture and the world the world we live in. And I want to see Batman thrust into a world that we live in. And and I mean, obviously he'll have advanced tech and things like that. But using the like using real world issues today, th- real world technology today plus comic book technology, but to to solve a problem, to become Batman and like be thr- and. Be forced to because of a villain, because every good Batman story is driven by a villain. I mean, that's that yeah. Batman is a character defined by his villains. I want to see him use, like, I want to see a modern take on the character, different from anything before. And I mean, look at what I want that same tone that Reeves did with the War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I mean, that tone, like, it just felt so real. That's a world that isn't we don't live in. Apes don't are not that smart in this world, but it felt like Definitely so gritty. Well. Like, Don't even get me started. I, I, Godzilla would I destroy kind of Kong. This to, I guess what I want to see at least is to what the Russos did when they came on and did Winter Soldier. And you have this big fantastical world of superheroes and they grounded it and made it really, really intense yep. and really realistic and still really exciting in that moment. I think that Reeves is the person to do that with Batman. Um, and I, I love that he's going out the detective thing because that's something that has kind of been overlooked in the movies a lot. Um, and yes, yeah, what I want to see. Like There are two real stories to me that, that drive that home. One is the Court of Owls and one is Hush. And I would love over the trip. I'd rather see, see Hush. I'd rather I want to see one of those two, if not both, play out over the course of the, you know, over the course of three movies. But I think Court of Owls, the way Scott Snyder did it, it is such a great way to launch a first movie and really launch a character with these villains that are kind of they're not important what their identity is. You know, you might have Penguin in the movie, you might have Catwoman in the movie, but the main villain kind of being this entity that you don't understand. But do you want to see other heroes in the movie, other DC heroes? No. Not really. I mean, the Bat family. I think it's time for the Bat family. I mean, I'm ready for the Bat family. I'm ready for that. But do you think in the second or third movie, Aquaman pays a visit? No. No, no. I don't want that. I think they're doing really good with their separate corners. Sure. Kind of doing that all. So does this mean that ensembles are dead for DC? 
No, I think you just got to, I mean, you just basically wait a little bit and then slowly copy Marvel. Just bring everybody together. And just say, yeah. okay, forget Ben well, Affleck was Batman. Yeah, because yeah. if it's Let's too just soon, you're going to have all these people period. freaking out about Jason Momoa meeting Robert Pattinson. Be like, well, would you, but you knew Ben Affleck. And it's like, you kind of have to play carefully with that because all people the are going to say that whether it happens right last obviously. week yeah, we're back to a venom question that i'm not prepared obviously. to. well commit. that's different but I mean, if it happens I, in the, the movie the difference is that i feel like warner brothers is slowly going to just transition into like well let's just sweep that under the rug and tell stories for right now yeah. and then that's going to bring up the questions of well he met the joker in suicide squad how does he have a different joker and well, we'll just have to accept it because, because it'll be I mean, a good movie i mean what are we talking about by the end of the third film if these are all younger in his career by the end of three films, it's like, what, nine, ten years later? Robert Pattinson is going to look exactly like Ben Affleck. Or close enough that we can just <laughs> throw him in there and be like, you know. So do you, want, do you think it'll be set in today's world, or do you think this will be a noir 80s, 90s? No, I think it'll be today. I think Batman's good about setting you in a world that is today. Like Batman the Animated But it doesn't always feel like it today. It was modern, yet it was also the 1940s. Gotham did that forever. Yeah. You never knew what time period exactly. the, so. it was actually set in. Yeah. All right, well, moving on. We're going to talk about something that has strangely brought me and BD together. Uh, there is, yeah, right? I love your expression for that. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a Magic the Gathering anime. And this is the best. I'm really into anime. What I did not know is that our own Brandon Davis was kind of a magic geek back in the day. Big and, magic guy here. How you doing? And like, yeah, so this is coming back, and it's coming from your buddies, the Russo brothers. Ah, uh, it's the best. And it's going to be on Netflix, and wow, like, nobody saw this one coming, right? Like, like who knew? Who knew the Russos were that into Magic the Gathering? Like, The Russos are huge nerds. Oh, I know. That's why they're good at this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah. knew that. I didn't know they were, like, deep into magic. Like, I just imagine them... On the set of Arrested Development, playing magic between takes <laughs> <laughs> with each other, telling everybody, "Hold on, we're on break." I just summoned something, and like I, I like I don't want to get too into it, but I'll show my nerdy side. If so I you guys like, I mean, I don't know anything. I never got too deep into magic, so I don't know like all the classes, all that stuff. I was more like towards the D D late eighties end. What do you mean? Uh, like I don't know anything about magic. Like I, oh, yeah, no okay. So I'm looking I don't to you for like what would be cool. I mean, about this series. It, well, it depends. I mean, if they're going with the current Planeswalker story, which is ending right now, and the card game is always based on novels. They, I haven't been reading the novels right now, but the novels are coming to an end. There's this character named uh, Nicole the uh, of Bola or something like that, uh, and he's just this all powerful being, and he's wiping out the whole world. Uh, and these Planeswalker characters are kind of like these creatures with special abilities and each one is going to some of them are made up for the card game some of them play roles in the novels um and right now i mean it's just like the card game right now is all about destroying entire worlds and armies and all this kind of crazy stuff um but in the past i mean it's just a fantasy world it's 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 just a little bit i mean it's i mean you could compare it to i guess lord of the rings maybe even more i guess fantasy than that warcraft i guess would be a closer comparison um and there's just always novels to accompany the card game. So if you're playing the card game, you pick up the book and it, it lets you put a story to the name on the card, the art on the card, and getting in an anime. It depends. I mean, I'm excited to hear what kind of animation it's going to be. Uh, Megan Peters is our anime girl here. Um, she wants it to be 2D animation. I'm not entirely opposed to 3D animation if they do it in a really interesting way. Not like you're boring. You don't want the Star Wars stuff. No, I don't want that. I don't want Star. I don't. I'm not that I consider Star Wars stuff boring. I don't think that would fit the tone of Magic: The Gathering. You need something that can look so fantastic. It would have to be like those. Um, 
Love and Sex and Robots or Death, yeah. Sex and Robots, whatever that was on Netflix, the anthology series, it would have to look like a lot of those did, where it was this very realistic looking animation. But then that kind of takes away the anime side and I mean, I might not fit in Into that the Spider Verse would be interesting. Yeah. Um, into but, the it, but it still would be challenging to create like these spells and enchant- yeah. just I things of that I think the simple answer for comparison to this that when I initially heard it is Castlevania, Adishank yeah. Castlevania, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was part of the reasoning for why Netflix went with this because they've had big success with Castlevania in that anime. They're doing Zelda, like, you know, yeah. So this would fit in that kind of block. With the Russo like brothers. Hollywood meets anime. Yeah. That kind of thing. I think the Russo brothers being attached can give us kind of an expectation of something innovative. Yeah. I don't think they would do it if they weren't going to do something we haven't seen before. No. And all the spells, the casting, the battles, like, yeah, anime will be great for that. Oh, and, I, be, and I would want traditional wait. 2D. So. I just cannot wait for that series. All right, me either. So that's it. Magic the Gathering is becoming an anime on Netflix. So don't dump your service quite yet because uh, you might want to watch that. Moving watch right out, along. Disney+. If Plus. that wasn't WTF enough, we're going to move along to a new topic. And I threw this one in here just because I was scrolling through. I, like, scroll through the site to see what headlines to put in the show and... I got to this one, and I just couldn't move the, like, scroll for a minute. I was like, wait, what? So we are getting a Magic the 8-Ball horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's happening. That is a thing that's happening. We are getting a Magic the Gathering horror movie, or I'm sorry, Magic 8-Ball horror movie. And, uh, yeah, Bloomhouse is making it. Uh, They also made the Ouija movie, so not surprising there. Yeah, I mean, here's what they say. Is this said. the movie that Hardwick is Here's what they Blumhouse? say. Since the 1950s, Magic... I didn't even know Magic 8-Ball was that old, to be honest with you. Since the 1950s, Magic 8-Ball has inspired imagination, suspense, and intrigue across generations. This iconic toy has a built-in connection with fans and untapped potential for storytelling. Mattel Films. Oh, good. The toy makers are making this. There are no partners better suited to tell the Magic 8-Ball story in collaboration with Mattel Films than Jeff Wadlow and Bluehouse Productions whose unique approach to the thriller genre has captivated audience worldwide and has gained widespread accolades. Okay, so just a quick little background on this. First of all, there's no reason to be confident about this. <laughs> Jeff Wadlow, if you don't know who Jeff Wadlow is, uh, he directed that terrible movie Cry Wolf, um, bad horror movie, and he also directed uh, Kick-Ass 2. Oh, exactly. Is he, yeah. is he directing or producing? He's directing. I feel like he did. I feel like I saw something. This is the second Bloomhouse movie. Didn't he do like Truth or Dare or one of those like recent Bloomhouse like cheap but made? Good oh money God, I forgot movies? all about Truth or Dare, which wasn't the most horrible actually. Truth Blumhouse or- makes movies that cost twenty dollars to make and they make a hundred dollars to yeah. the box office. It doesn't yes, matter. Yes, he did direct Truth or Dare. Very good, Charlie. Yeah, so I mean, he had recent success. So like, I mean, the movie wasn't awesome, but no, I mean, he's nobody is. I mean, he's like the Louis Leterrier of horror film directing. Like, he's not. He's a studio guy. Yeah. So okay, here's what I'll say about this. We're not going to waste shoot. too much time on this. Ouija one like sucked. It was real bad. Never watched. You shouldn't. Won't. Ouija two, the prequel, was actually pretty good. Never watched. It was actually pretty good. And it was because there's oh. that little girl, Lulu, uh, I think her name was like Lulu Wilson. She was also in Annabelle, Annabelle Creation. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, she was like the main character in that. And she's like a little tiny scream queen mogul. She's been getting that money. Yeah. So she made it very, I mean, the second one really good. Uh, well, not really good, but much better than the first. Just like Annabelle Creation was much better than the first right. one. So, yeah, so it could be hit or miss. the Magic 8-Ball sequel is going to be 
awesome. Yeah, I mean, it can be hit or miss with these concepts. It really depends on, like, what you do. Like, Truth or Dare actually found a way to kind of take that game and, and make yeah. it into something scary. And it was kind of messed up. Like, you had to do the dares, like, somebody to crush their hand and one stuff. And the truth was, like, really messing up people and their relationships with each other and stuff like that. So that was a good, clever thing. I don't know what you do with the Magic 8-Ball. I mean, first of all, the ghost going to get you with the answers because half the time you shake those things, the bubbles make it impossible to even read like what's on a magic eight ball. Be like, wait, what does that say? Like, what? what, was, what? I, I don't, I don't know how they how they do it, but like one thing that we're kind of overlooking is like we're looking at these horror movies, like these, especially these teen horror movies, because they're the ones that sell tickets. But the one thing we're kind of like missing is one of my favorite franchises recently. I'm hoping it doesn't end with two films, but they're Bloomhouse and Happy Death Day. Happy yeah. Death movies are great, and they're so funny. They're so campy. They're also really ultra violent and kind of scary. And if you're looking at that kind of tone with something like a Magic Eight Ball, and it's kind of a joke in and of itself, but I, also see, a horror I don't, movie, I don't feel like that because I don't. If Mattel films, I mean, I'm not saying that's what they're, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. They're trying to sell. I'm saying balls. that's the way to do this movie. Basically, right. what I see in this is a toy company making films that will get people kids to stop buying magic eight balls as stupid party favors because nobody does that anymore and start buying them to scare each other with like like a ouija board and it's just like okay i guess it's <laughs> like, just gonna determine your fate yeah i mean you have I don't to know. ask the magic eight ball will i get hit by this bus yeah like find the, look, see, if, if they straight like see, that, 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 that could be saying, good psychological or like if you get something and then you're like i'm not going outside today like everybody's so paranoid because it's like outlook good and then the bus like, comes into your living room yeah exactly like no matter what you do like it comes true like no matter how you try like or death no all right so there's possibility but you're gonna have to walk one hell of a tightrope to kind of pull this off because, I mean, initially hearing it, my reaction was just to just stop. And I mean, it. really, is there any way to disappoint people with a Magic 8-Ball movie? No. It's going to, because, like, we're all expecting Making the same Magic thing. Making a Magic 8-Ball movie. That's you it. You know, the bar is already on the ground, so you can't really dig. No. But, all right, we don't got a lot of time to stick on this. I'm going to be interested for that first trailer. That I mean, I'm going sure. to go watch the movie. I can uh, tell you right look now I'm going to watch the movie. I mean, if it is, I'll, hey, man. It's going to be absurd. In yeah. whichever way it goes, it's going to be weird. So. All right, moving right along. Let's go to the lighter side of things with Disney. We're going to take a real quick stop at The Lion King. This is why, Charlie, I wanted you on because you're one of our two Disney experts uh, when uh, Matt's not here. So, The Lion King revealed some more voices and kind of character details what are you thinking? Seth Rogen, Beyonce, what else? Yeah, um, so the, the, the TV spot had Beyonce, had Seth Rogen, had uh, Billy Eichner as Timon. Um, Beyonce as Nala is, is perfect. Like it's, it's, it's exactly the kind of tone you want. It's welcoming and warm and feels like home and really feels hopeful. Um, it, she's a perfect fit for Nala. Seth Rogen is, I mean, he is Pumbaa. Like, Pumbaa looks kind of scary, honestly, because it's a real warthog, and warthogs don't look like kids think they look like. From watching Lion King, but he's a good fit for that. Billy Eichner, I love Billy Eichner. I'm still, I'm to not totally at. sold yet, but we only heard like two lines of dialogue from from the Meerkats. So, like, I'm not, I don't know if Timon's going to be awesome or just like okay. But none of it's been a bust for me so far. I, I think it's with a cast like that and with Favreau, you you, know, you can't go wrong. Have we heard Donald Glover yet? No. The only up until this TV spot, all we had heard was Mufasa, which we heard it's yeah. James Earl Jones, so there's no change from the original movie. And then we heard uh, Chiwetel Ojiofor do Scar in one trailer. <laughs> Listening to you guys pronounce names, I mean, I hope that's real. right. I, I, I just, I'm just winging it. So Chiwetel, but like just yeah. the the 
Kofi takes pride in his pronunciations. I'm, I'm just going to go for it. No, if I'm don't. wrong, it'll be fine. I started oh. this show off by saying Kavit. I, I don't Fodich. take any pride in everything. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah it, we've only heard those two voices till this this thing this week. And then we got a little glimpse of a couple others. But Donald Glover, we still haven't heard. We still haven't heard uh, John Oliver Zazu, which I'm really excited to hear. I think that's really funny. Um, we haven't heard everything yet. And Ke- we, we always forget Keegan-Michael Key is going to be one of the hyenas. And like I'm low-key super looking forward to that. I keep getting him that role confused with his Toy Story 4 <laughs> role with Jordan Peele. Like, yeah. Ducky and Bunny. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm Nala Simba's mama and I'm a whole But No, because I mean, the reason I brought this up is because the, the voice Fox and the animating the animals to look like they're talking is usually one of the last things that we get. So yeah. I'm kind of interested as a Disney aficionado, like, how are you feeling? Well, it's... This is that one. This is a big movie. deal. I mean, this is the this it, movie's going to be a huge awesome. deal. It's a huge, and this movie doesn't need to. We don't need to hear Donald Glover as Simba before this movie because we they're they're using almost entirely nostalgia in the trailers, like all the music yeah. and the certain scenes. You know, there's a scene of the three of them, you know, walking across the log over the moon as they grow up to Akuna Matata. Like there's there's a scene in this TV spot of. Uh, of Scar and Simba like clashing at the top of that like fiery mountain. Like they're using the iconic images and then the iconic music from the animated film to get us hooked. You don't really need to show us what, you know, what it's going to be. Like you don't need to sell us on the voices because we're going to go anyway because of the way it looks. So you in? Awesome. You in? No, oh, I mean yeah, yeah. I'm I'm there was no way I wasn't in. I mean, I I don't know why they're making it. I mean, other than to print money, I mean, like, they're just remaking everything. Because the po- the, it is weird that the posters are like here's a lion and it's Simba, and it's like it's just a picture of a lion, and a picture of a meerkat, and like it, it's a little strange, but also like it's it's going to make an endless amount of money, so it makes sense, and it's gonna just a it's showcase gonna make of us how far like it's, technology has come. Yeah, I mean they're calling. I mean it's animated, sure, it's computer graphics, but it's they're calling it live action. And that's just, I mean, you've seen the trailers, you've seen the posters, you've seen the terrifying image of Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Like, it looks so real, it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's going to make it way sadder. I don't think Favreau knew what he was opening the door to when he did the Jungle Book. It's, you can count so, the hair on these animals. Like, it's, un, it's yeah, unbelievable. it's insane. And it's going to be so much sadder when we get to the emotional parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, seeing a lion like, eyes, and I mean, Mufasa, and then like, there's a scene in the trailer where you're watching, when, he, when Simba's running from the stampede, and like, I got like, emotional seeing that, because it's like, he looks real, and like, I want to protect him. He's not just a cartoon. Takes me you back know. to Kevin Hart running from the stampede in Jumanji. <laughs> Takes me back. All right, so, sounds like things are going along on track with the Lion King. That's going to do it for our news flash. Stay tuned, because when we come back, we are going to break down some DC Universe TV And we are going to review Fear the Walking Dead Season 5 premiere. So be sure to stay tuned. All right, so let's jump to DC Universe. Uh, I was kind of hoping producer Jim Viscardi was going to be in on this because he and I were having this whole discussion yesterday that got me thinking about this. But, of course, he's in meetings or doing producer stuff. He had a tummy ache. Did he? (laughs) No, I don't know. Oh, okay, because I I have all kinds of aches right now. But, all right, so. Wow. No, I I meant like. Wow. Being ill, nothing no, gross. No, wow. Nothing hey. gross. So That's... we're going to talk about DC Universe because we got the end of one series, uh, Doom Patrol, and the beginning of another Swamp Thing in the last week or so. And as Jim and I were talking about, like, yeah, I mean, pound for pound, DC Universe has been, and I think we talked about this a couple shows ago, but like a really good series of series so far. Um, I watched Swamp Thing. It wasn't my favorite pilot out of all of them so far. That's still Doom Patrol by far, but it's still good. I mean, 
just in the beginning, seeing how far mm-hmm. they go with horror. I mean, they just impale a kid the, in the that, first that, that 10 shot minutes. In that shot in that, with the moon, the way it's lit, yeah. and the shadows, like that shot is so gorgeous. Yeah. It's and, a crazy Yeah, and it's just full-on horror. So I, I'm kind of into Swamp Thing already, but uh, yeah, I want to sing praises, especially for Doom Troll and wrapping its first season, because that show, I can't say enough good things about. There's nothing else like it in comic book TV, and... I mean, the closest thing you would probably say would be like Umbrella Academy or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's way like weirder, and they just really went there in the best kind of wackiest way. And every episode was like a like a real. I almost cursed. My oh my god, I really almost cursed there. Uh, was just like a really kind of. And I think it's because Doom Control, Doom Patrol, they curse all oh, the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Non-stop. So like, it's like a really head screw, but like it's at once funny. So absurdly funny, but, like, so deep at the same time. I mean, they go into things about, like, sexual orientation and repression, you know, sex abuse, you know, a guy who's just, like, a complete piece of crap that gets his family killed and has to deal with that, you know, mental illness, like, all this stuff they deal with, and they and they never shy away from it. It was, like, really yeah. serious, and when it got dramatic, it, it was really good, and I think... On that note, the best episode that illustrated all that for me was the Therapy Patrol episode where you get, like, they all sit down to have this therapy session to try to, they realize, like, they're all screwed up and they try to work it out. And then you get it in this, it's almost like an anthology episode where you get it from each character's perspective of Mm. how that day goes. And, yeah, and that was just, it was just really good. It, It mixed all the absurdity and the drama and, like, some of the action um, into a story of essentially, like, Brendan Fraser's character, Robot Man, like, has a rat running around in his brain. That's what, like, sparks this whole thing. And at the end, the rat becomes one of the two main villains of, like, the finale and stuff. But, yeah. And it just brings me back to what we were talking about. Uh, Me and BD were kind of going back and forth about this. But I really wish DC Universe could could just kind of, like, break out and, and give these shows another platform, even if it's second run. Like, in another two months, I wish Doom Patrol ended up somewhere, like, on Netflix. Because they're doing that with, like, Titans Overseas on Netflix. And I think a lot of people are missing out. And they would get more people into the service if they would just give them a chance to discover these shows outside of the service and then come back to it. Um, but I love Doom Patrol. I'm, I'm in for swamping. And, like, yeah, DC Universe Pound for Pound has been pretty great on the original programming. Um, but that's my two cents. Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I was, just, I was thinking the whole time you were talking, like, I wish people watched DC Universe. And I know, like, DC fans out there, a lot of you guys listening to this are probably listening or probably watching DC Universe because you're fans of DC Comics. But, like, no people that I talk to outside of the kind of the direct small pocket of, like, the comic industry, they aren't watching these shows because they're on DC Universe. And you don't need to pay for another – no one's paying for those additional streaming services. No. You know, like no one's going to shell out another seven bucks a month for DC Universe, and you would if you knew how great these shows were. Yeah, I think um, that's the thing that gets yeah. me. It's like with a small alteration, like just a couple things added to the TV section plus these original series. I think if you are a hardcore DC fan, this would be the one streaming service that is pound for pound worth your buck. Yeah, like and, and it's it's you know DC doesn't have just because it hasn't produced as much over time. Like Disney Plus is going to launch, and it's this whole company with all these sub companies that has all this stuff to offer you. Even if there was no original content, you're probably going to pay for it because of Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, like you know, all this stuff. And DC just doesn't have that library because it's not a giant production company that's been going on for generations. You know, it's a comic book company that became entertainment and 
you know, it, it, it needs those eyes on it. And, you know, something that CBS All Access did, which I think that's in the same boat, you know, like Twilight Zone, we all like that, but we're not going to pay for another streaming service just for Twilight Zone. Um, where the the first day that Twilight Zone launched, they put the first episode for free on YouTube. It was like a whole weekend it was available or something. But DC could put out the first three episodes of Swamp Thing once the whole season's, you know, like the week before the finale, put the first three episodes out on YouTube and let people watch it and be like, sign up to see what happens, like to finish it out, you know, give people a chance to see what this is going to be. Because I mean, I've seen two episodes of Swamp Thing now and it is one of my new favorite shows. Yeah. Every it's Friday, so good. I come in here and the first thing I do is log on DC universe and yeah. watch whatever the new episode is. Start my day every single Friday and never sorry for it. So yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm worried about this cause I don't want to see Titans get canceled. I think it's going somewhere good. I definitely do not want to see Doom Patrol get canceled. I, that show in the cast are so great. Um, Swamp Thing's growing on me. I'm excited for Star Girl. There's so much to do with these the, characters. The big thing that will help this going forward is that Warner Media is launching their own streaming service, which why you need one when you already have like your child has one. That seems really yeah. weird. But if DC Universe does start to struggle, which there were there's rumors that it was, but I don't think those those kind of got debunked. Yeah, we don't have um, any clear. I mean, there's and no clear measurement. With Except Warner Media is such a big thing that if Warner Media launches a streaming service and it's successful, it can either package DC Universe or absorb DC Universe and keep those shows going depending on its success. And so I think there's there's multiple opportunities there for those shows to keep going. I'm just I'm worried about the timing and I'm worried about you know the the viewers right now. And if it's like well no one's watching the show, we just we can't even afford. Yeah, to and wait. I feel like it's one of those things like if it gets canceled, they're going to dump it somewhere, and then everybody's going to be like, going to be one of those things that everybody like, comes is, to why late. Is this, yeah. Like yeah. All right, well, that's a good depressing note to move on to, to another depressing topic. Fear the Walking Dead Season 5 has premiered, and I don't know if you guys saw some of that uh, after the, or uh, after the dead, that's our show. See, you guys have done a good branding. Every time I start to talk about it, I always say the name of you and Janelle show. Um, Talking Dead, I guess, would be the uh, Chris Hardwick one. Yeah. That's that other show. Yeah, that's that other show. Um, But if you guys were seeing that... Until the mid-season finale, they're really? not doing an episode. They're not doing it every uh, every Sunday. They took fear, a break. Fear gets. They took a break. So well, the they, only they, Fear the Walking Dead after show lives on comicbook.com. We don't do. We don't do after the dead. No, we don't do. After oh the well, dead. never mind. Then there isn't one. It's the redheaded stepchild. But Whoops. they. But I, mean, I heard on I that uh, Talking Dead that there was a list of grievances that Chris Hardwick wrote that came from a specific source. Oh no, those were compliments. Oh, were they? But I did have a list of grievances on Twitter. But he read my compliments tweet. Okay, I, I caught like the very tail end of it, and I thought it was yeah. him just being like, "Where is this? What is this?" Da, 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 da. And then I thought it was you. Was that, like, yeah, he did read I heard, one of. I my literally tweets. tuned in and heard Davis, and I was like, "I feel like that's BD." And then I came and asked you, and you were like, "Yeah, that was me." Yeah, he did. He did read one of my tweets, but it was a it was a tweet that I wrote after seeing the season five trailer. That was compliments to, towards the trailer. Uh, after watching the season five premiere, I did have a similar tweet with the same bullet point format, which was more f- more full of criticisms. Um, so what was your, because I'm interested to hear, like, I, I've been in for fear since the beginning. I, I've enjoyed the show since the beginning. You liked the first season? I thought it was a work in progress. I liked when they, I liked parts of the first season. Like, I liked when they got to the stadium and they saw, or like, the big venue and they saw like a picture of what an entire city going through this kind of zombie apocalypse looked like and they had to get out and mm-hmm. figure that out i liked all that i did not like the character stuff i thought it was like trying to put a family drama in the middle of walking dead just didn't work so well, I was it happy. did for the walking dead yeah but that was kind of a like a loose family of survivors like an actual 
family family right, right. was a, a, like a little bit different and the characters were kind of misconceived in the beginning like the audience was smarter than the characters which was yeah. the number one problem was the audience had so much more information than the characters yeah. did and the characters not only seemed stupid but acted stupidly yeah and if you like see like what anyway just looking back at like what madison was what curtis was specifically like what nick was and alicia Alicia was just like sitting around with her boyfriend who never. <laughs> she had her iPod that was too yeah. new for. And that the whole show character, it's obvious. Like they just that conception was was not too good. The only I, character I really that was really it in good in the beginning two when they went on the ocean and they started like having ocean zombies. Yeah, I think it found that, its footing in up. season two, and then it started to really find it in the later part of season two when they got to Mexico. Exactly, yeah. Tijuana stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's why three, people attached to Strand so quickly and are such big fans of Strand now yeah. because the, from the beginning, from the first time you met Strand, he was intriguing and. There's yeah. only six episodes in the first season, so it's easy he to watch. Come through. In until episode five, right? And once you get to the end, I was like, I don't know. And then this guy's like, okay, I'm a little, I I'm a little more hooked because this guy's really interesting to me. I did too, but I just I didn't think the junkie drama would would be enough to sustain. And I think series. Dave Erickson had plans for the show that weren't consistent with what the plans became from Scott Gimple and AMC. And at first, he wasn't. Like, I mean, I'm not defending Dave Erickson's first season and a half. But I think season three was the best single season of either Walking Dead show. And he was building towards his end game for fear, which I think would have been very, very, very interesting. And now it's just become a supplement to The Walking Dead in a lot of ways. It's still its own story. Like Alicia and Strand are still very interesting. Um, but they're just kind of spinning the wheel, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that was a weird thing about this premiere. Um it was good in the sense of picking up with, with where we left off before about these people now having a very clearly defined mission and what they're doing and how it's but different. Do they, than, is it clearly defined? Like, that's my problem. But here's the thing. Like, this is where I have a problem with the first episode. What they do to set up the conflict of this season in the first episode, it just makes the character seem What is like the conflict? Ridiculous. I, even, I mean, just getting back this place that they want to have, this hate. That's not the conflict of the season. I've seen the next three. And I, that's well, not. The, I'm just talking. Oh, no, I know. I know. I'm just. Yeah. No, I'm letting you know. Like that, I would have thought the same thing. Yeah. But that's not the like. You would think that's going to, and it will be a factor later. But I've seen the next three episodes, and that doesn't even become a. But factor. here's my thing: is the the premiere sets them up as being ridiculously naive. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, and I and I didn't buy that. I'm like, these people have all been out on the road. They've been through. It's hell. been years at this point. Yeah, exactly. And Morgan is one of the least stupid characters yeah, exactly. in the whole universe of The Walking Dead. And they were outmaneuvered out of their haven by, you know, this one guy. In That's his, not like, my group. problem. I, and I was just like, I feel, and it's like, and it's taking us back to a Walking Dead plot point that's like from the beginning of each or, or, or any one of the series. Don't trust anybody because people are going to screw you over. Like, don't try to help people or any call for help me or anything. It's not going to work out. Well, well. I mean, they uh, they essentially got catfished in the first episode. Yeah, and that, it was like after season four, which is one long catfish. Yeah, and so like I had a problem with that, but the characters the back half of season four was rough. Yeah, the characters I themselves. I mean, I did like the vehicular combat. I did like that. I mean, there were no, there were highlights. It's not without its highlights, but I feel like season no, the villain four story like yeah. became. They weren't sure if, to me, the impression I got was they're not sure if they're going to get season five. So let's dangle this fruit of let's go to Alexandria throughout the back half just in case we don't. And if we don't, we'll merge the two shows together and it'll be, all be fine. And if we do, then you know what? Morgan will say, forget Alexandria. Let's have our own season five here in Texas. And I think that's what happened. I, I really think like they weren't sure if they'd get season five. And when they did, they changed the ending they, or they ended it accordingly. And they just had a safe 
uh, boring back half of season four. I mean, it just it's it's a shame because you have cast members and 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 characters who could like the development on Alicia as a character has been almost almost equivalent to Carol on The Walking Dead. Alicia yeah. was not smart. She was making terrible decisions. She was a young, dumb teenage girl who made who put the group in danger. Carol, on the other hand, was timid and and in a terrible abusive relationship and afraid to do anything outside of that and they've both evolved into the strongest fan favorite female characters uh, two of the most beloved characters on Taylor. I mean granted Fear the Walking Dead doesn't have a big yeah. audience but the people who like her like her as much as anybody likes a TV on No char- I mean that Alicia on, on suffocation in the bunker episode was like uh, This yeah. Land is Your Land yeah. season 3 yeah. it was amazing yeah. great that episode. was I was showed you it, it, was, it was one of the riskiest episodes that they've made of The Walking Dead, and it paid off. It so showed well. you what Alicia Debnam Carey can do as an actress, and they haven't let her do that really very much since, at least in the back half of season four and throughout. Lenny James, on the other hand, is getting all the camera time, and he's great. I'm never going to complain about Lenny James getting camera time. He is one of the most talented actors on television, and I feel like he's outgrown the show. Either Walking Dead show, he's he's tremendous. He had a small role in Blade Runner 2049. This dude needs to I don't know find something because he is. So talented, but they need to. They need a villain. My my point here to going back to you saying that they have a mission is every story needs a villain. Like you cannot ha- drive a narrative forward without your pro- protagonist having a clear antagonist, and we don't get a clear antagonist and an interesting antagonist at all quickly in Fear season five, and that's how it suffers because the characters are interesting. Yeah, they, this is it, like the best ensemble, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, I love Alicia. I love Strand. I love Jenna Elfman, Morgan. Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah, I was about They're to say, great. my two favorite Austin Walking Emilio, Dead Austin Emilio, dude. Austin Emilio is one of my favorites from The Walking Dead. Now he's on Fear, and his entrance is great. And the show starts to, it'll, it's going to start to go into almost cartoonish territory with some of the things it's going to do. It's like, everything The Walking Dead can't do, I mean, they did a freaking tiger, but like, take the tiger and just do that kind of crazy, silly stuff. And fear starts doing that, and people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. I think it gets better. I think it gains from it. Daniel Salazar coming back, Ruben Blades, tremendous actor. He comes back for a little while. You'll see him next week or this Sunday. But it's good to get him back, and they like he's entertaining. But again, they need a clear cut villain, and then the show. And, and, and that's something I haven't thought of with fear. But the more you say it, like the more it makes total sense. When you look at the Walking Dead, the best, the best parts of the Walking Dead, you you can name all of these awesome villains. Like, Shane was an amazing villain. The governor yep. was a fantastic villain. Early Negan was a great villain. I can name Terminus. I can name one Yeah, the Terminus I can name was. one good villain from Fear the Walking Dead and they killed him off. Troy Otto. So Troy, yeah. Troy Otto was, it. was so good and he got killed off. And now I, I I literally can't name another villain from Fear that that are really I, connected to or really fe- cared about. My, my, the, okay, so I have two things that I would like to see from Fear and then I'll leave it because I know we have to move on. I think they need a clear-cut villain. The show will benefit from having that. And I also think they either need to wholly commit to being a part of The Walking Dead or just completely drop that entirely. Because teasing us and doing this and that and just planting little seeds like this logo, the same logo that took Rick off, that was on the helicopter that took Rick showing up. Yeah, this is all getting kind of crazy. It's interesting and I'm having fun covering it, but if you're not going to pay it off, don't dangle the fruit. You're you're only going to piss people off by doing that. I I agree with you. I don't see either one of those things happening. I see no, I think it's just going to keep kind of... As long as they can. Meander in the middle. World building is interesting, but don't act as if we might see Rick or we might go where Rick went or something if we're not going to. Yeah, and they don't need that. Like, besides the uh, 
This Land is Your Land episode. One of my other favorite web episodes of any Walking Dead series is the John and June episode. That oh was, my God, oh my, so good. It was, it was that a movie. Was like, that, yeah. You could do an anthology series. That proved you can do an anthology series in this universe. Yeah. And that will be good. Honestly, it ties it back people, to the main problem. The main like, yeah, problem of this whole thing remotely sitting there, is that the show yeah. is called Fear the Walking Dead. That's the whole issue. This show is so good on its own but it's directly tied to the successes and the failures of The Walking Dead because that's how they're pushing it. They're dangling things together. They're tying things together. It's called that from the beginning. If people weren't interested in The Walking Dead, they weren't going to watch Fear of the Walking Dead. I don't know if I mean, that's I mean, true. Like, it wouldn't have got a, a second Alicia season. Dead no. and Carrie fans are going to do that. They're going to watch it because they I love mean, her. I don't know if it would have got a second I'm you're, like you're one not, of the smallest sample. I'm one of that small right. sample group. I, I, I am too. Watch I, I Fear even it. if I don't like what's happening Correct. on the wall. Correct. I, I agree. And and it's its own show and it can stand up to that. But it has such a hard time separating itself. People get a bad taste in their mouth for The Walking Dead that's maybe gone on too long for people and they want nothing to do with fear. I think that only started recently once Morgan crossed over and Scott Gimple and the team started getting the plans for the movies and the connected universe. I think originally the plan was to keep it completely separate. But if and it Dave was a different Erickson, title, the reason Dave Erickson is no longer the that. showrunner, well, but if it's a different title, then you don't have 10 million people watch the first episode. Yeah. But that's a catch 20. Dave Erickson yeah, wanted to do it, do a standalone show. And that's why Dave Erickson left in season four because he had an endgame. He was going to put Madison as the villain against her kids. That was the endgame for Fear of the Walking Dead. That sounds awesome. But. It became something else, and it, it, it could. Season four gets better as it goes, in, or season five gets better as it goes, in my opinion. See, episodes three, episode three gets better than episode two, and episode four gets better than episode three. We'll see if it can continue that trend through the rest of season five. And I'll say this: if you're not going to do a good, like, really strong, charismatic villain, then just do what has made the show succeed the best. Just trust in your actors and give them more episodes that like rest on their shoulders. Preach. Because every time you do, like. I can think of everybody who's had a great kind of focused episode. Al, John, the Daniel Salazar Jude, episode, Salazar, Ruben Blades, yeah, like well, those are all the ones that were always so, so great. Like the Walking like Dead, all of them. Have. No, the Walking Dead bottle episodes suck. Not always. Yeah, I, sometimes they do. Always because I'm they can't. Be Walking Dead by its nature that. can't like really get that, that Morgan individual episode season cabin, seven. That Morgan episode in the cabin was is not one of the best not, episodes no, of that not. series. I hands down. No, it's not. With the cheesemaker, I mean, oh, so good. Yeah, but there's so also, good. I mean, a lot the, of the, the best the Walking Carol Dead episodes. The Carol Look at the Flowers episode is a bottled episode, a very standalone episode. There's at least, like, six amazing. characters in that Yeah, yeah, there's it's, a lot of characters the, in that. But, I mean, Tyrese, there was 30 Lizzie, characters on the show. Other, like, where the girls raid, where the girls episode. go and take out that whole other yeah, facility of Savior Girls. With the also, Daniel Salazar episode, it was, stuff, like, the, yeah. the, what we're talking about is the episodes, like, the Tara episode. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. That was bad. Right. But, like, the Morgan Backstory episode, I think, like I said, Look at the Flowers was four characters Throughout the episode, but that was just one scene in that episode. No, that, that was a whole fear, episode of. The I mean, it's kind of. I don't want to get too off point because we got to end. But like, fear has shown the ability to slow down and focus on such a smaller, like, character focus than Walking Dead ever has. Like, Walking Dead doesn't. It has a few episodes that feature like one or two people, but like not really. I mean, it's all about the ensemble and, and the connections between this. Walking Dead is at its best when everybody's yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, and fear the Walking Dead. It can, allow, it can use the character like they love to spread the characters out, which is frustrating. But it benefits when you let the one when you let a single character grow and shine. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard Brandon Davis. Fear the Walking Dead. It's gonna hopefully pick up on us, but not be perfect in season five. Let us know what you guys think of the season so far and how you kind of relate this show to the Walking Dead. That's gonna do it for us on Comic Book Nation this episode. 
If you are just kind of jumping into the show, we post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. And if you go into those articles, you can find an RSS feed you can subscribe to. Or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Playlist, Google Podcasts. And you can tell any Amazon Alexa-powered device, play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will fire up for you. Wow. If you heard anything in the show that you like or want to continue or you don't like and just want to kind of uh, join in the conversation, you can always hit us up at hashtag Comic Book Nation, and we'd be happy to chat with you. Or you can talk to us individually. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Uh, at Charlie Ridgely. You can hit me up at Brandon Davis BD. And we just want to say... Have a good time. Enjoy what you're watching. I don't really have an outro for this. We out. Peace and blessings.